0: Hello folks and welcome to the Antifada. I'm Sean KB.
1: I'm AP Andy.
0: And it's just the boys today. And we are joined by a third boy, a first time guest on the show. He is, of course, the podcast left's favorite pedo hunter, Brace Belden. What's up, man?
2: Howdy. How you doing?
0: Good, man. I think uh, we wanted to have you on today to talk about uh, something very near and dear and important to our lives, something I think that's going to be extremely, extremely crucial to get our heads around for the future, which is, of course, the Belden plan, Mm. or as I like to call it, the the Belden program, the 13-point plan to destroy (laughs) pedophilia. Andy's Andy's I, gonna play that soundboard out so bad by the end. That, of it. That's
2: right. Yeah. No, I uh, I technically don't have a firm grasp on the numbers of of the point program. You know, so it's sort of like a uh, it's it's a nebulous. I've come up with a few definitely. Um, well, what do you got? Throw them at us. Well, it's the, the thing is they're not really points in the program. They're just beginning steps, and one of which is to uh, wage a merciless uh, ideological struggle. And destroy my enemies on the left wing, and become have my thought become hegemonic. Wow. Because yeah. that's the thing. I mean, I, I figure, hey, that's what they always accuse podcasters of doing, and it's like I should actually do it. It's the Trump plan,
0: right? As a, as a uh, destroying your enemies on the left, I gotta say, a wise man once said, and I think his name was Siv. Let's start today.
2: Yeah, exactly. Yeah. He was so about I. Vegan, I, I uh... that's okay. <laughs> I'm sick of people just screwing around. And I think that like, I think horseplay and hijinks has become sort of the order of the day following and including the Bernie election. And so it's, it's, uh, I, I think my, my, my main point right now is just to get people to accept where we're actually at, take a fucking concrete analysis of fucking concrete situation, which, uh, I, I don't, you know, it's, it's, it's not, people don't like that because. A lot of Americans, I think, worship at this cult of spontaneity where they they see like a a riot or they see a protest or they see a picket line. And they're like, well, if we just like keep going to this and do nothing else, create no organization, do no like actual, you know, take absolutely no hints from the past, do nothing that anyone in any country has ever done before that successfully brought uh, socialists closer to power, uh, then we're going to get socialists.
0: Here's one example. Imagine if people on an online social media platform just said one day, you know what we could really use right now? A general strike. We should shut everything down. So let's start a hashtag. And this is going to bring the nationwide general strike we need to bring the capitalist class to its knees. I think that was September 1st when that happened. I don't know.
2: It's well, it's general strike. It's rent strike. It's strike, 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 strike. And it's like, you know, their plan seems to be. Is that if we all, individually, in our homes, with no coordination, do something that has absolutely no effect, and in fact, ninety-nine point nine nine percent of people, I doubt I a single person took September first or whatever off no. from work. No, I, I most it, certainly didn't. It, I, no, no, I. This this is my fifth podcast this week, brother. <laughs> I uh, I and uh, it's it's it seems so it seems so uh, bizarre if you zoom out, but it's such a prevalent like idea. And there's this you know obviously it's kind of a vulgar like example, right? Like not everybody's like that, but that exists. That like cult of spontaneity exists even among people who sort of like seem to know what they're doing, and like it, it's it's that that is like. That's where I'm like, hey, brother, you know, this ain't my train. I got to get to a different station.
0: I hear you on that. Actually, on our last episode, I did a little mea culpa because, you know, I'll admit I come out of the uh, <laughs> the the very cringe uh, left com scene from many, uh-huh. many years back. You're you a know,
1: bit of a sponte yourself. I'm a
0: bit, I do a little spontex, <laughs> you know, like uh, a good German boy. But, uh, yeah, like – without going into the entire thing and without me like debasing myself and doing complete self-criticism, it's a little fucking late in the day, you know, to be waiting for these social forms to emerge. Right? Mm-hmm. We need some sort of form of organization, working class organization that is antagonist, antagonistic to the system, not in a way that says like, oh, well, I dislike this morally and I'm going to shout about it on yes. street corner, but actually start to build organization and start to build power to do the sorts of things that we truly do need, like a general strike and like a rent strike, which are impossible to do spontaneously. They're impossible to do today. They're inspo- impossible to do 80 years ago when we had the mass strike wave in the United States that brought the United States that brought unionism to this country in a mass way. Well,
1: we'll probably get to this with the ILWU, but didn't it sort of work in Oakland during Occupy? Weren't there two quasi-general strikes there?
2: Yes and no. Right. Like, so during Occupy, I was I was uh, I never went to a single Occupy thing because I was slamming dope the whole time, which I think judging by the sort of characters that emerged from Occupy to become prominent voices, uh, both on the left and far right and the beautiful center, uh, I think I made the correct and healthy choice. I think you uh, did, yeah. of using black tar heroin instead of going <laughs> to a powwow. You're uh, certainly healthier and cleaner for that exactly I mean certainly I'm doing better now than most of them are um but no so the the the, from what I understand uh the 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 general strike in Oakland there were a lot of people who didn't go to work that day but like I think my main point of contention is like and and like you know I'm I, I think some places did strike I'm not super sure about that I know that ILWU took the day off and struck that day uh but like I think my, my main point of contention is that like general strikes are a strategy. It's a tactic, right? Or, I mean, there's a difference between those two. But like, I think a lot of people view this stuff as a means to an end, uh, is the end, not mm. a means to an end. Like, like a messianic
0: like, well, overcoming of the current conditions through one great action. Exactly.
2: Who's that French anarchist guy who's kind of like a Nazi in the like early 20th century?
3: Sorrel. George Sorel. yeah.
2: It, yeah, like I feel like there's a lot of, it's like a mix of Sorel and Bernstein, like <laughs> just like have this totally, totally bizarre hodgepodge of stuff. I get the Sorellian stuff because it's, you know, it's a strong narrative, blah, blah, blah. It's very beautiful. But like wanting just a general strike and having that be the goal to me is that's that's it's a uh, it's blue pilled Sorellianism.
0: Well, thankfully, we've moved past or at least we we moved into a different moment than during yeah. Occupy like. You know what is it? Eight nine years ago, where demanding nothing seems sufficient, and ha- and the idea of having a mass direct action that shuts things down and presses our power without a demand behind it, without something winnable, uh, it seems like ultimately, um, yeah, some spontaneous um, orgy of banality. I don't know.
2: Yeah. No. And, and you know, I get things that are like. The deindustrialization of America, and it's not like since the '70s the left has been particularly uh, involved in in the industries in, of America as right. such. But uh, but like with the de-industrial of, uh, deindustrialization of America, with you know uh, a lot of people on the left working at jobs where you know they may not work alongside a ton of people, or they you know may work in an office where it is uh, let's say proletarian consciousness is not very high. Uh, I think a lot of this stuff just seems like, you know, it's like ghost stories. You're telling people, you know, it's like, it's echoes from the past or whatever, but you know, there's very, there's very specific ways you can get a socialist into power in, in any country. One of those is a left wing officer military coup, which I have been working on the carnation option. Yes. The carnation option, the Chavez option. Uh, well he won the elect, but you know, he also tried to do a coup, um, another is through winning elections which as we can see uh it does not work for us it's a dead letter in the united states today exactly well it's the, the crazy thing about this is like people keep trying to reinvent left populism oh right? yeah and, and the thing is if you look at the past decade baby left populism we lost it ate shit all over the world Ate shit. look at fucking greece man and like that shit's, you know, Syri- Syriza, for their many faults, at least had like a lot of communists in it, which yeah. is more than you can say for, you know, like, for instance, like the Bernie campaign or, you know, like the future Bernie cabinet or whatever. Yeah. And they fucking, I mean, they bowed down and worshiped to the feet of the German. And so, like, it's, it's, you know, that's a failure. Uh, and, and so, you know, also we lost the Bernie election even worse than last time uh and then the third way is 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 the way that it's you know been done in some. well there's another way too which is lose a war to the soviet union <laughs> um, which does seem like a bit of a shortcut
0: We should bring uh, the u s s r back so we could lose a war to them
2: yes, yes absolutely and uh and then the fourth way is 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 you know the the classic model of uh of a revolutionary workers party engaging in revolution that's it. Baby. Uh, and people think the solution actually is is to just, like, uh, tweet General Strike. It's a sad state of affairs to be
0: in Brace, and uh, I'm not sure uh, what we could do about it except bring together two of the uh, – call them the, the Chad Marxists of the uh, podcasting left. That is, of course, Brace, who is a member of the International Longshore and uh, Warehouse Union, And, of course, me, who is part of the New York City building trades. I'm not going to tell you what my union is because I try to keep my union out of all this shit. I (laughs) I see people posting shit about their unions online, and I get it, like on social media. But you kind of got to keep that shit in the house. You know, the bosses are going to use anything bad that you say, not against you per se. They're going to use it against the union. They're going to use it against that institution that does, to a large extent, protect your job and protect your livelihood.
2: Yeah, absolutely. I I think that there's a trend. Um, you know, I I don't have to tell you about the way a lot of unions in America act, right? You know, it's it's uh, especially some of the some of the real big ones. SEIU uh, asks me sometimes. Mm-hmm. Uh, in that in that I I think a lot of people on the left don't really see them as allies or don't really see them as like even vehicles. Even if they see the Democratic Party as one, which has always been like a, a real mind fuck for me. Um, but but the thing is is like I, I I since like becoming you know sort of politically aware have have always been hyper focused on on specifically actually the ILWU uh, because you know these are like centers of power they're not centers of power we control but they're centers of power that exist as they are like yes. a, as such and actually like you know they they can exercise a lot more power than like say any given you know whatever PSL DSA chapter. Uh, and, and I, 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 my like main thing has been trying to get people that I know on the left per like to, to try to get it, to take it seriously. Right. Um, and, and that can work and that can not work. I mean, my, my experiences in the ILW have been, I've had some very good ones, right? Like, I've, I mean, I've had some, you know, whatever ones too, but I've had some pretty good ones and it's so, such a different the vibe Mm. to be unscientific about it Mm. because when you're interacting with people like officers rank and file whatever you're actually interacting with people who are able to who might not be at that moment but who are able to exercise significant power and actually strike a blow against capital and i think that there's this weird um subconscious uh feeling among a lot of people on the left and and sometimes conscious you know there's people who very consciously or subconsciously too actually reject it but like that like we actually don't have any power which is true Right, it's true. We don't. In the grand scheme of things, right? Exactly. Grand scheme of things, we can't really do much, you know, as 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 we are as such, right? Uh, And then and then actually being somewhere that 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 is able to uh, sort of make a fist and use that fist, it's a very different feeling.
0: I've spoken about this on the show before. Uh, If people want to go back, it's an episode called "Hard Hat Riot," where I sat down with two other building trades workers, and we talked about all the small and big ways that on a day-to-day basis I myself and the union members around me have been able to make that fist and to push back against capital, whether it was Mm -hmm. something small like uh, we were working at LaGuardia Airport and they wouldn't give us any parking, so we did a wildcat strike in the morning by parking our cars in front of all the rigs so nobody could work, Uh, or whether it was whether... This company hadn't paid our benefits in six months, so we shut down every single one of their jobs through the entire five boroughs, New Jersey, Westchester, until they put up a check for a half a million dollars, which they couriered down to our union hall (laughs) within two hours just to get us to go back to work. I mean, that's, that's that's a type of power, I think, that unfortunately in this country, I wish it were not the case, a lot of people haven't felt. They haven't yeah. felt that collective power and that, you know, collective ability to fight for themselves and also to fight for, you know, the people working next to them on the job.
2: Yeah. And, and like, to be honest, it puts you in touch with a lot of people that aren't, um, you know, generally the demographics of the left, which is, you know, usually highly educated people who don't really have much of a connection to labor. And so like, to me, I mean, so my, to my background in it is that like, I, uh, I started working at one of the largest i think i don't want to say the largest because i think there's a belt factory that's slightly larger um but one of the largest manufacturing facilities in san francisco which is anchor brewing uh a uh a it's a brewing company that's a great beer big fucking yeah it's a good beer uh big fucking brewery um like very traditional san francisco you know very well known around here uh and, uh, and I got involved in a unionization campaign by some other guys, some, uh, some DSA members, and then just some regular guys that worked there, uh, and uh, in- including like a sharp skinhead, which is very funny. <laughs> That's um, a
0: blast from the past.
2: <laughs> exactly. Very, very much a blast from the past. That's going to be uh, for our
0: bonus episode when we talk about punk rock, but go on. <laughs>
2: um, and for the next year, we spent a long time organizing the factory, which is difficult because like a lot of shitty jobs – sometimes a pretty high turnover rate in some areas. Um, and uh, and then we pulled the trigger, uh, had a pretty sometimes nasty fight with the bosses over the month. We were waiting for an election, won the shit out of the election, and then uh, then had a right into a, uh, a sometimes pretty contentious contract fight mm. as well. And uh, we're able to secure a pretty good contract.
0: That's good because so many times workers are able to even get – you know, the 50% plus one to get the card signed in order to have a union election and then win it, uh, the bosses refuse to even uh, offer or negotiate a contract. So this yeah. happens more and more in this country as the the National Labor Relations Act and the board that was created in the 1930s, it becomes more and more antiquated and more and more unable to keep up with, basically, this bosses offensive that we've seen for 50 years. But you guys were able to win.
2: Yeah, yes. And, and... That like, that was, and so we joined ILW Local 6, uh, which is the warehouse local. So ILWU is, a, as, as you can tell from the name, is a longshore union mostly. It's, it's every dock on the West Coast in Canada, Alaska, uh, Hawaii, Panama Canal, the pilots who bring ships to the Panama Canal. Uh, no, nothing in Mexico too scary. Uh, you don't really want to mess with cargo there. <laughs> um, yeah, and- I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go salt in Sinaloa. Exactly. Well, that's the thing. Cause like when I, when I first started, out with these guys, I was like, huh, you guys don't have any in Mexico. They're like, would you go do a strike on a dock in Mexico? And I was like, nah, you know, I don't think I will. Right. Um, and, uh, and so it's, it's a pretty big union, you know, like I think something like, I can't remember how many tens of thousands, but tens of thousands of people. Uh, and and one of the reasons we got involved with it because so like there's no there's no unionized craft breweries in America. We're technically not a craft brewery, we're owned by Sapporo. Uh, but like for instance, Sapporo's other American or like North American brands are Teamster shops. Mm. And uh, as much as like you know, I would have liked to get involved, whatever in the TDU kind of stuff. Uh, we wanted to go with ILW for you know a, a number of reasons. One of which is that Alw uh has been Pretty much since its inception, a a firmly left wing union, and not left wing like SEIU, like uh, left wing as in was kicked out of AFL CIO, yeah. uh, actually left a couple of times. Once again, <laughs> I think in two thousand eight, uh, and uh, and it, it, is, it is a pretty independent and pretty staunchly left wing union. I remember the first time I really encountered them was uh, in I think two thousand three when I was a child going to these Iraq war protests. And they shut down the docks and George Bush was going to send the fucking army to make them load the shit.
0: And, and previous to that, before our times, uh, they shut down the docks, I believe, over the sending arms for the Nicaraguan revolution and also yep. for the um, apartheid boycott of uh, Mm -hmm. apartheid south africa in the 1980s so of any union in the country they've uh they've they've taken and kept the ability to do political strikes uh but they also have a militant membership that's willing to stick their necks out for something larger than just the next contract or grievances or the next work rule
2: yeah i mean the union started in 34 uh well it has its roots in, in 1934 uh There was a a long sort of history of like pretty bad worker abuse in the docks. You know, I'm sure if you've seen that fucking what's that Marlon Brando movie on Uh, the the waterfront, an anti-communist film. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's not too different from that movie. Right. Like it was it was a pretty uh, shady operation on the San Francisco docks. You know, it's shape up. You would have to go and put your fucking try to get your work in the morning. They, You know, they would. We, Not guaranteed to get it. We, we still have the shape-up
0: in our industry. If, if people don't know, the shape-up is essentially uh, – if there's work on the docks or in the building trades or whatever, back in the day and in some cases still today, you would literally just show up at the front gate of the factory of the, of the wharf or whatever it was and a guy – who worked for the company, the supervisor would come by and point people out and say, "You can work today, you can work today, you can work today. The rest of you is go home." And of yeah. course, it's bad for workers. The the one way that you would usually get work would be to have a pint of whiskey in your pocket or a fiver and hand it to the guy for a day's worth of work. And so the shape-up was part of these precarious and brutal conditions that existed on the docks during that day. And if I can real quick parenthetically, I was walking down the street the other day. Now, I live in Brooklyn. And we all know with the COVID thing, one of the few growth industries that exists right now is um, app-based food delivery and yep. goods delivery. I'm walking down. It was, like, it, was in the, it was around lunchtime. And I look, and under a tree on Wyckoff Avenue, there's like seven or eight um, Hispanic, you know, Latin American guys. They all have a bicycle, and they all have these bags that say Grubhub on them. Right, these red bags, and they're standing, taking shade on a hot day under this tree, all of them looking at their phones. And I'm looking at them like these apps, these tech companies, they brought back the shape up. Yep. These guys a, are under a tree waiting to get about. work. Yeah, It was insane to me. The meat market, as they used to call it, is back now. Yeah. It's, just, it's just high tech.
2: Yeah, yeah. And, and, and I mean I, there was an article <clears throat> the other day uh, about uh, how outside of some grocery stores – these guys are hanging phones up on the trees by string Yeah. and the phones are connected to other guys' phones because the closer they are to the Wi-Fi or whatever, it's something where they actually get the orders first right. and people can take the jobs. And I mean it's no different than the shape up except there's no one to even fucking bribe. Right. Exactly. You know? <laughs> yeah. Which exactly. is a bunch of bullshit. Yeah. And, only and,
0: maybe in San Francisco because you walk down to like the, uh, the Grubhub offices and maybe try to slip some tech worker a 20 –
2: yeah, well, the thing too, man, is I see it's it's funny whenever I take a SIG break outside of, outside of Anchor, uh, you know, we're we're there, they're up in Petrol Hill and uh, and right around there, there's like it's a pretty it used to be an industrial area, which means it's now a tech area with these you know large fucking warehouse companies, uh, and you know these motherfuckers would be testing these delivery robots right in front of the shop.
0: Oh God! And every
2: time I saw them, I'd be like, damn, that's gonna like that's literally taking food out of the fucking mouths of people i know it's a mechanical scab exactly it really is and that's like that's what that's what blows my mind man because that shit's gonna come everywhere once that i mean i don't think it's gonna come in the next few years but when it does come i mean all these industries all these app industries from from the cars to the fucking delivery to you know the bicycle whatever all that shit that's gonna be done
0: there's something insane like i think it's like 20 or 30% of the jobs in the United States are devoted to moving goods around in one way or the other, yep. uh, using trucks or whatever, forklifts. Um, more and more as that gets automated, I mean, you guys have talked about this on on this process of capitalist automi- automation and what that does to jobs. It's only going to increase uh, under yeah. COVID, and it's only going to increase as more and more of these routine tasks these routine jobs are turned into robotic mechanical tech sort of operations
2: yeah I, and, and and it's gonna be well i think the biggest uh the the industry that employs the most people in america is trucking mm. and so whenever i see these videos of like oh elon musk as a fucking uh you know as a truck that can drive itself i see man that is bad that's like, bad that is <laughs> all that's bad and like and and i think that's like a really major issue but like my problem is is that like a lot of people on the left, you know, seem kind of divorced from that, right? Yeah. Like we have all our discreet little pet issues that we, we go after, but like, it's, it's uh, m- my like main contention is that like, I, I mean, I, I, and this has been the case for a while. This is certainly nothing new. And I, know I'm not putting personal blame on nobody, but like, man, what are we doing? We got no, we got no involvement with any of these struggles, right? Like it's, it's, it's really wild. And, and you know, that's, that's, uh, Like automation, the fight against automation is going to be a fucking brutal
0: one. Oh, it is. And it was, I mean, we'll get to this. I'll let you continue the ILWU story. But one of the things that actually Harry Bridges and the leaders of the ILWU and the International Longshore Association on the East Coast did in the 1940s and 50s and 60s because they saw the writing on the wall is they said, this is going to be automated. There's not much we can do about it. All we could do is take our membership and feather bed them out. Make sure they can get enough, you know, enough wages, enough bonuses off of the amount of cargo sent because the container box is coming to eliminate all these jobs, automation or whatever. At least we can get them good pensions on their way out and we have a nice way to feather bed them down. So we don't even have that in in the the country. You know, Teamsters are a vanishingly small portion of truckers. There's no there's no one here to help feather bed us out of this shit.
2: Yeah, there's no organization. That's that's really like that's what it was because, you know, I've been involved in in left-wing political organizations for kind of a while um i was at one point like uh whatever prospect member i think that's biker gang thing but whatever a psl (laughs) patched into
0: psl party of socialism (laughs) and liberation
2: yeah uh i had the top patch i didn't have the bottom one Um,
0: (laughs) well because you never got beaten in
2: yeah. Yeah. I did get a swastika tattoo too. I just, I guess that's not part of it. I just got that. I, it's, It's been a real hassle. Somebody uh, played a
0: goof on you, man.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Boy, that's do not believe everything you read on the internet. Um, but, uh, but I, I, you know, I, I've been involved in left wing organizations for kind of a while and like getting more involved with the ILW cause I knew people in the ILW. I grew up here. And so like, guys, I know work on the docks. Uh, guys, I know, I know guys that work in the warehouses, particularly local six at one point had like a lot of left-wing members. Um, and, and ILWU, of course, local 10, the, 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 the Bay Area longshore local has a, has a lot of left-wing members and traditionally has. And so that was like, I saw that as more of the solution than like really a lot of the, a lot of the shit I was doing. And not to say that I wasn't, you know, that, that, that political organizations here don't, don't do good stuff. Absolutely. They do. But like, um, but it's not a path to power. And so, like, so in the ILW, in a lot of these trades, I see an actual path to power. And so, like, that's that's what like, you know, so the way we organized anchors, we did it 50-50. Me and some guys, you know, we did it secretly, but we me and some guys on the labor committee at DSA here and ILW went into it as a joint venture. Both our logos were on all like the posters and all this shit. We did mobilizations with like, you know, hundreds of people came through. Uh, and you know, we went out and like, you know, canvas basically to get people to, you know, say, Hey, we're drinking this beer. We can stop drinking this beer anytime. Um, every single place, luckily anchor, um, has a little, little anchor finder on their website where you can actually see every place that stocks the beer.
0: Oh, using the so boss's we, tool against them.
2: Exactly. So we made a list of every place that stocks anchor in San Francisco, especially the places around the, around the brewery. And we got them to put up a, we support anchor workers nice. sign. Yeah, Uh, just just on the
0: tactic of boycott. You know, people, it's it's kind of a lib tactic. I mean, you know, boycotting Nestle, that's a fine thing. It's a good thing. Boycotting Walmart because of how they treat their workers, that's well fine and well and good. That the boycott that people try to do on like on Amazon recently, it's it's all well and good. But a boycott combined with. Organic workers power being built in the workplace. I mean that is so much more powerful and that traditionally has been one successful way that people have won contracts is by not simply consumers protesting that a company is bad, but other workers saying I'm not going to buy anchor if they're not going to allow the union to organize
2: exactly and so you know we actually didn't even say the word boycott we were always like drink more of the beer but the the implication there yes is that these people will do what we say or not although not they'll do what we say but they'll go along with us and so they'll go along with us wherever we take it and we and, you know we had some other stuff we got a letter from japanese dock workers that was very strongly worded Hell we like got it. a letter from the workers at sapporo in in japan that was very strongly worded uh and, and the thing is like you know the, 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 uh, there was a lot of implications in, in what we did, I guess. And, and, and like in that that sort of power, having that letter from the Japanese dock workers, and, and they know what that means, right? Mm-hmm. You know, all Sapporo is basically, or most Sapporo is made in Japan. And, and if these workers on the docks aren't happy with that that company, you know, who knows what could happen? Uh, and, and I, I, I certainly don't, I'm just saying they, they wouldn't be happy with the company. They might, you know, they might, they might lodge a protest or sure, something sure. on, on uh, the, on the clock maybe even who knows, but like that has, that has teeth to it. And the feeling of being able to do something that has teeth to it really, I think changed me because I, I, I realized like that there's, there's a lot of the stuff that the left does is, is, is not super high stakes at a certain point. And like, and it doesn't always really affect people's, you know, livelihood. And people will fight if it affects their livelihood. People will be scared to fight, uh, but 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 once they start fighting, they'll really fight because you know it's 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 a big it's a bigger deal to them. And so like, my sort of like number one goal is to is to get. Uh, you know a base in labor because we don't really have much of I mean, there's a lot of left-wing people in the trades right yes or in in in, in labor in general but even in the really trades really, even in
0: the trades people people uh you know look at the cultural presentations that they get on various yeah. news channels or commercials or people they've heard about and they think you know everybody in the in the trades is, a, is an archie bunker type character but it's literally not true you know there yeah. are people out there that are open to these ideas and and understand also that there used to be something more to union Right. So I in mean, yeah. this like conservative business union, like one of the most conservative and business uh, unions that exist uh, in New York or the country. But people still understand that there's power in that and that there's something else we can be doing. They're just not sure why we're not doing it.
2: Exactly. And, and like, that's my thing. Is like, I, I mean, I think it's part of like the, the post 60s or really whatever post late 50s, 60s, whatever left where it's like, you know, people people give like this the the, the sixty eight types a lot of shit for like the factory turn or whatever. I don't sure. know. I guess the factory turn was a French thing. But like uh, industrialization
0: that, that. and colonizing of industry.
2: Yeah, but you know what? At least they were trying it. You know, like Dude, they didn't give up on it.
0: And and dead ass though, because when we're talking about the ILWU, we're talking about these heroic struggles that happened on the dock. Um, yeah. It was literally, I mean, not always the case, but often was the case that members of first the IWW and then the Communist Party of the United States in the 20s and 1930s industrialized. They went into these particular industries in order to organize. And it was like people think about the spectacular 1934 um, general strike that happens in San Francisco, which basically creates the ILWU, a, a strike that spreads all the way up and down the West yep. Coast and shuts shit down for 83 days, people say, oh, well, well, that was this, this, this spontaneous rising of workers who were fighting against the shape-up, who were trying to get better wages, better conditions. No, it actually had come out of not just the, the 10, 15 years that communists and socialists were going into that union and, and agitating around these demands in order to get a union and to get workers' power. And actually, there was decades and decades before that that you had multiracial coalitions on the docks of working class people trying to break the power of the bosses by standing together it's just that before that they lost
2: yeah exactly and like that's that's like people only see the moment of action and they don't see like the decades like you're saying decades before that and like you know these were highly organized people they didn't have a union yet but in 34 they were organized Oh you know the the police killed a couple of couple of i mean the ilw wasn't technically a thing back then but you know. They were ILWU men, sort of in the you know their their chalk outlines are literally painted on the sidewalk in front of the the local here. You're
0: talking about uh, Howard Sperry and Nick Borduas.
2: Yeah, I think I of think, course I looked that up. I didn't know that off the top of my head. <laughs> well, one of them one of them was a CPUSA member. Uh, he was a cook who was doing um, uh, he was cooking for for strikers. The other guy, I can't remember exactly what he was doing. Police killed a couple of them, uh, and and you know, that obviously inflamed some tensions. Uh, there was some battles with the labor council here, like the AFL, uh, who did not want the strike to continue as such. Um, it's funny. I've actually gone to meetings in the room. Uh, there's still labor meetings in the room where they decided that not from the labor council, uh, they meet at the pipe fitters, but like, uh, just various groups use the building. Um, and, and like that, that sort of bird, the LW, which I think fully came out in 1936, as such, uh, and, and and since then, like the ILW was led by a guy named Harry Bridges. Yes. Harry Bridges was an Australian, actually, who uh, was in the IWW. I think IW. history's,
0: history's only good Australian. I think we're prepared yes. to say
2: yes. History's least racist Australian. At least <laughs> uh, he uh, he he was a member of the Communist Party of America, or USA, as were I mean up until like not even that long ago. Many of the officers in the union, uh, and it was like really like red scare style, like all that shit they would say about unions was true about the ILWU. Uh, You know they were. If you look at old copies of uh, uh, fuck, I can't remember what the newspaper's name. There, there, there's uh, old copies. Water, of, waterfront worker,
0: waterfront worker.
2: Yeah, 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 yes. Um, and uh, which is still around, still does good work. But uh, but if you look at old copies of that, I mean, it is. It looks like, you know a party magazine or something, <laughs> um, it, and, yeah, and, and
0: also like a mimeographed uh, punk zine from the 1990s or does. something yes
2: yes yeah and, and like and, and they were they were very like they were very serious dudes you know they these were hitters and they they, they um harry bridges like was basically under threat of deportation for decades mm-hmm. he tried to deport his ass uh but they were one of the first unions to like fully integrate and get black workers on the docks. Uh, it's now pretty – it's like in my head when I was growing up, I always was like that's like a black union because there's like mm. – b- mostly that's who's in it in, in San Francisco. In, in Southern California, it's like a lot of Latino dudes, uh, Pacific Northwest. I imagine a lot of white people. Um, uh, I'm not supposed but,
0: to talk about it here on the East Coast I think, but I do know a bit about the ILA because I have a good friend who's a dock worker. Uh, he actually tried to become a nurse recently and he went to nursing school and he, he worked like a week doing that shit, making one tenth of the money. He's like, what the fuck am I doing? I'm going back to yeah. the docs. But uh, there's a certain local out here where the way that they've dealt with um, you know, issues between white and black workers is uh, very similar to The Wire. They go back and forth with the president, they'll have a black president huh. and a white president in order to kind of yeah. keep, you know, to make sure that everybody's represented in it and make sure that race isn't used to, to drive people together.
2: Yeah. Well, that's, that's like one of the biggest sort of differences I noticed between, uh, work and, and sort of general left political work is there is a lot less neuroses about race
3: Mm -hmm. that I
2: noticed, you know, like
0: they're out in the open really a lot of the times
2: exactly it's like people people are not like super skittish and weird and stuff like that like it's just like it's like how you know when you interact with normal people (laughs) right it's like that
0: yeah like normal people yeah (laughs) exactly should should be doing that more often huh
2: yeah yeah and like well that's that's what really that's what really gets me man is because like the, the left basically sees like like it's consistency as like a different like interest groups, which it sort of has to balance in which it has to like wage discrete struggles behind never with, but behind. Right. And like, and with, 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 with the union, it's like, you know, it, it, there's none of those hangups and stuff. I mean, there's definitely hangups about some stuff, mm-hmm. but it's, it's very different than the left. And like, that's, that's really what, what I, I noticed in, 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 you know, organizing the workers at this factory is because it, the factory is like, uh there was a few black workers but it was mostly latino dudes uh a few women and um and white guys and and sort of like there's actually kind of a couple case studies here because there was also a, a, a bakery chain that that we we I I had some small part but not that major of, of organizing after that 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 had sort of more difficulty between back of house latino guys mm-hmm. and front of house uh mostly not a variety of races, but sort of a, a different background. Um, and 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 it's just like it. It really like it showed me sort of what organizing should be like, right? Because there's none of like there's this there's this all these I, I don't know how else to call them, but neuroses on the left where everybody is super like it, it, it's it's like I never went to college, but it feels like going to college or something.
1: Well, a lot of that uh, neurosis comes from separation, right? And and so yeah, if you're not absolutely. in like a workplace struggle with people who have different cultural or ethnic backgrounds from you, you just kind of have to theorize about what that racial separation is. And it leads you to read like uh, a book by someone who claims to understand it, but may actually be a Jewish woman from Kansas, for example.
2: Yeah. First of all, that lady is fine. Like, I'm not going to like, there's no, I don't care what she calls herself. I will go to dinner with her. Um,
0: Yeah. They say the third dozol will uh, will reveal the name of God. Yes,
2: yes. Well, that's what I've been wondering. Like, how many other dozals are out there? Like,
1: it could be the person you least suspect,
2: or the person you most suspect. Others, you know, like this. My my mother was a (laughs) Hey, Yeah, keep that out of your mouth.
0: (laughs) It's coming from inside the house.
2: Yes, Um, but like that—that's like, and it's not just about like race stuff, but it's about basically really any uh, it's just so much easier to talk to people, I guess, like in the workplace because, you know, you got something in common with you. And that's the one thing like I really I really stress is that like organizing a workplace or, or working, you know, or, or organizing at work or whatever, any of the union stuff is about finding unity and common ground. And like, you know, everybody's sort of in the for the collective and for themselves. Whereas like that that same like cohesion, you know, it doesn't really exist. I'm not even just talking about the left but really like in most other parts of your life in
0: society. Yeah, no, you're right. I, I have a, a brief story cause I was fortunate. However many years it was seven, eight years ago now to join a fully formed and already existing union, uh, that already has contract signs and it's relatively powerful, actually really powerful in the trades. Yeah, it is. But, um, <clears throat> for better or for worse, but, uh, <laughs> sorry, I, I'm not going to talk too much shit. um, the uh, the one experience I have in trying to organize was it was about a decade or so ago. I worked for a series of moving companies, and I think this yeah. is a this is this is a good story because it teaches some important lessons. I think basically the owner was a very particular kind of dipshit. He was yeah. a uh, he he was an artist. He was from out of the city. He had a loft in Dumbo. He had started out moving himself and then he had started to hire people until he got to the point where he would just like sit and, sc- and screen French New Wave uh, films you know, in his art studio while the rest of these kids who were actually working for him were
1: running around and doing the work. I believe a friend of ours punched him in the face famously. <laughs>
0: yes, there's actually... On the job. There's literally a news article that maybe Andy can post uh, about uh, the, this actual union struggle and how our buddy decked this fucking dipshit right in the face. But like... The the main issue at this place, and the guy would bill it as a an artist's moving company, right? So I would be going to. I wasn't an artist. You know, I was just a guy, you know. Yeah, but
2: that's that's the that's a big constituency for for moving companies. Oh. A, bit, a lot of the rock and rollers I knew growing up uh, work for moving companies. Yeah,
0: I mean, and and. The sort of propaganda of that, or at least the selling point for it, was that these well-to-do, like former artists or former punk kids, for living in Park Slope in a 1.3 million dollar brownstone, can be like, "I'm helping out the artists." So I yeah. go up to the job, and they'd
1: be like, "What kind of art do you do?" And I'd be like, "What the fuck are you talking about? I'm here to move yeah. your furniture, man." <laughs> but that mean th- that kind of thing is crucial because you need to have workers who don't. Think that they're workers. Like all my time working in yes. food service in Brooklyn, you know, I, I would sometimes work with people who were like in the IWW or some other activist group, and I would try to agitate or organize or like get a meeting together, and people would just be like, no, things here are fine. And anyway, this is just my job, you know? Uh, like But you, you've been working well, here for like six years.
2: Yeah. And, well, that's the other thing, too, is like, is I think a lot of people, I, this is a major trend I notice on the left, is that a lot of people like, are temporarily whatever, like they think that they're just like working at as a barista for a little while, you know, or like this is like, this isn't supposed to be happening to me. and, and,
0: And this was exactly the issue that we ran into as we were trying to organize is that these kids, and this was before COVID. This was actually, I think before the crash of 2008, All all these kids that were working at this company didn't see it as something they were invested in enough to actually make sacrifices for. And And for good reason, of course. It's a shitty job. You're moving people's shit up flights of stairs. You're getting paid $9 an hour. I was the driver foreman, and I was making $11 an hour plus tips. We love to see it.
1: But that precarity should be all the more reason to fuck with it, in my opinion.
0: Well, and and this is what I'm getting to, and I I think this is an important question for all of us. I don't have the solution for this, because we failed, ultimately. Our friend did punch the boss in the face, but then Hurricane Irene came through, and the— the drive was going pretty well, so the owner like mysteriously left all of the trucks and all the equipment in a flood zone, and they all got <laughs> flooded out. And then the union campaign fell apart. He got his insurance money and fired everybody. Strange yeah. how that happens. But I guess the yeah. question is, is like at this moment in time, how do you get people invested enough in their shitty jobs, you know, to convince them they're not, they're not like temporarily embarrassed graphic designers that like, exactly. actually, if you stay yeah. like at Andy's job, he's talking about for six years, this is actually your life. This is actually what you're doing day <laughs> in and day out. Here, mother you mother. work here, bitch. <laughs> so yeah, I don't exactly. know how to solve that.
2: Well, that's, that's, that's been my problem too. And and like, I honestly, I don't, I, I, I'm trying to come up with one with the Belden program, but I do not <laughs> know the solution as, as, as it stands right now, because, you know, I encounter this a lot. I encountered this somewhat at anchor with some of the younger guys who are like, well, you know, I'm going to be something, but not this or whatever, where it's like, I've worked, I mean, the podcast thing, I guess happened, but like my whole life, I've never had what you could call a career path. Sure, You know? Before I worked at Anchor, I worked at a boxing gym, like a shitty fucking, it was cool, but it was not like a nice gym. And then before that, I worked at flower stands, not flower shops, <laughs> solely outdoor flower stands, which, uh, one of which was in the coldest neighborhood of San Francisco, which you know, <laughs> I gotta say, it sounds like a bullshit complaint, but I tell you, you spend fucking Christmas Eve, 10 PM in the fucking sunset, <laughs> you come back to me in a goddamn clapboard shack. Uh,
1: you got into but the I, wrong flower industry in California.
2: Oh yeah, it's it's wild. I mean, there's there's. Uh, I used to go down to the farms down Salinas and stuff. It's 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 pretty wild, and there's like a flower market. It's a whole fucking thing. Um, and there's no unions, but <laughs> right. there might be for the might be for the flower pickers, but I don't think they're like part of United Farm Workers or whatever. Uh, UFW
0: um, got their asses kicked pretty hard, so it's
2: doubtful. Every union gets their asses kicked. Right. Well, not always, but it happens. Uh, California is is it's all these fucking places these 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 Democrat fucking strongholds. I mean this Republican ones obviously you know can be well not even obviously sometimes they can be worse. but like basically everywhere except certain big cities, it's tough yeah, right because it, I, and I don't know really what to like I don't know what the solution like back to back to people you know sort of not thinking of themselves as workers. And something I have really encounter a lot is people talk about the working class like they're not part of it, even right. if they are. yes. Because they see themselves culturally as kind of above it, you know? Like, well, I'm not like these fucking dumbos. I don't got the American flag or I don't got, you know, a Mexican flag or I don't, you know, whatever. I've
0: got a $60,000 degree that I can't get a job from. I'm different.
2: Exactly, exactly, exactly. And it's like. I, that might just take time, you know. I, I maybe the economy's got to crash a little bit more, and and you know, and because because people might be proletarianized in their work, but they're not proletarianized in their consciousness. Oh, that's it. Yeah. Even if they think they are, even if they read whatever Capital's one through three or whatever, like they're still not. Like they still don't have proletarian consciousness because they. they that's the thing, and like that's that's my main thing that that I I really have have a hard time dealing with is that like, I mean, hey. Listen, Sean, if somebody, somebody, like, asked you to do something for the left Mm. that might kill you, would you do it (laughs) as it stands right now? Of course.
0: (laughs) Uh, No, no, I would not do it.
2: No, I I absolutely, who would do that? (laughs) You've got to be really depressed to do
0: that. Get yourself killed over some Oberlin students protesting (laughs) falafel at their uh, dining hall.
2: (laughs) Exactly. brother. And like, it's, it's, that's why, like, there is no movement to die for. There's no, which means there's no movement to live for either. And that's, that's like, that's what I think the main thing has got to change is because there is no organization that is, is representing workers. You know, if you go out, if you march to your fucking death or something, you know that like, okay, maybe some people will type online about you, but there is no great mass of, of, of workers or organizations You know, linked arms behind you. It is a loose network of NGOs and people who want to work in NGOs and people who act like they work in NGOs, even if they fucking work as graphic designers. Right?
0: Uh, Yeah, kill kill the wage cuck and the NGO employee in your head. I mean, the the ILWU story, uh, its formation, you know, through the work of Harry Bridges and other communists, and then its ability to persist and continue in an extremely, as we know, anti-communist environment in this country, uh, when essentially they and the rest of the left-led unions, and there were like 11 or 12 of them, the United Electrical uh, electrical Workers, there was... um, the cannery union. I, I I can't even think of all of them. Um,
2: I think only a few are around. I know UE obviously is still around. I yeah. think only like I think three of them are still around as 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 they were constituted back then. And, and, and this is and this is the thing that there's this sort of
0: circular, sort of contradictory argument that the the left, whatever the fuck that means, is separated from the workers, and so we can't. Uh, Since we're different from the the working class, whatever that means, we can't go and fall into the working class and work within the working class for working class interests. The reason why the left is disorganized and that the left is not in the unions, for example, I mean the communist and socialist left, is because in the 1940s, late 40s and 50s, it was literally purged out of the union movement on purpose. And it wasn't just done by the government. No, no, not at all. So the CIO gets kicked out in 1950 for having Harry Bridges and other communists within it. They refused to to, uh, sign loyalty oaths and say they weren't communists. They were thrown out of the CIO. But basically, if you look at a union like the United Auto Workers, right, which is famous in America, um, 10 years before they did uh, what's called the Treaty of Detroit, which was a bread and butter uh, negotiation they had (laughs) with all the big auto workers that said, we're not going to rock the boat in terms of the actual production process itself. We're going to let you run the production process. And for that reason, we're going to get cost of living adjustments every single year. We're going to get two months of vacation every year. We're Mm going to get a good pension. We're going to get good healthcare way, way before that. You had, again with the UAW, a mass of communist and socialist and anarchist workers and, and, or, and organizers and leaders within that who allied with these centrist sort of liberal or DEMSOC type union organizers and leaders. And they thought that in this sort of popular front within the unions that everything would go great and they could build power together and there's no way that the centrists and libs would ever stab the left in the back. Of course they did. Of course, yeah. they did because it was a and battle for power, and they won. And that's why we're so weak right now. It's because we lost.
2: Yeah, and we, we we never recovered from that. And then then in the sixties, it's like you know you get this weird ethos, which is still with us today, even if people sort of give lip service to it. Where it's like, well, actually, kind of the students, the revolutionary class, because the students are the other people who are saying revolution. And that's like that that's that's you know in the ILW the sixties actually there, there was a there was a lot of opposition to Harry Bridges. Because Bridges was a sort of old style, like, I mean, when Khrushchev visited America, I have a very funny book about his visit to America. Mm. It's like written this tabloid style. he goes to
0: a kitchen with uh, Nixon, right? They have the kitchen debate.
2: No, that was in Russia, I think. Uh, That's like what precipitated the visit. Um, But he visits one union in America, and that is Local 10, ILWU, in the Bay. Uh, But like, but you know, like he bridges was, was pretty stating. And, and at that time too, like a lot of guys, he wasn't rocking the boat too much, you know, and sort of post post, uh, or it's like the talent, they sort of style of politics. Uh, he wasn't rocking the boat too much, but there were all these like really radical groups within ILWU who did like a lot of, of pretty intense action. I went to the hundredth birthday of this guy who's, I can't remember his fucking name. But he's one of the oldest, oldest sort of pensioners out there for the ILWU, and they had uh, a merch table set up, which was very funny, with records on it too. Um, and uh, and I went up and looked, and there were records put out by a caucus of the ILWU of African guerrilla songs that they put out in the seventies. Hell yeah! That's and like nice. and 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 these guys were like, and this motherfucker was a Trotskyist. <laughs> um, like th- there was this really like. Really, spirit of militancy that still live within the ILW and and still does. I mean, like everything, it kind of got like '90s were not good for us. <laughs> no, not you good know? for any of us. For any of that's the, what I'm saying. The, the end of general. the history
0: didn't go very well for anybody.
2: Yeah. Yes. Um, well, the yeah, history got, didn't end, but it it did it did kind of grind to a to a very slow. Oh, no, it, it
0: seemed like that's when this eternal present of neoliberalism or late capitalism, whatever you want to call it, began. Where, you know, we were told there was no alternative like 10, 15 years before that. But the 90s made it really clear in a very spectacular way that there is no way out. There's no escape from this. This is the way the world works.
2: Yeah. And like, and that's like being around like those people, because there was a lot of people at this guy's, um, at this guy's sort of birthday or celebration, Howard, I can't remember, Howard something. Uh, and and being around like a hundred mostly ex doc workers and you know people allied to them uh, and current doc workers, you know, they all stood up at the end and sang the international, which oh was very God. funny because a bunch of people sang different lyrics too, some people saying uh, the Soviet version. <laughs> yeah there's and a lot sang. of different versions, yeah. yes, but even within uh, the english
0: version, there's there's one with uh, yeah
2: <laughs> yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, but uh, but but being like in that, like that felt like you know you're close to some kind of power. You know, that's like, that's like the first time you pick up a gun and you're like, whoa, buddy, whoa. You know, and there's, there's, you're feeling the power, but also
0: you're sitting next to these old school guys with this old history. It's all, there's also an institutional memory there. There are things yep. that get passed down, not just the people, but also the traditions, the militancy of struggle that continues. And again, this is one of the problems we have right now is that because we are so smashed, from the 1970s until the 1990s until today, there's not really much institutional memory except in the, the small cases of, like, locals in the, in the Longshore. Uh, yeah, yeah, on the West or Coast. UE. Or UE, right. Uh, or the IWW, which is kind of a throwback to, like, uh, a uh, period of struggle even before that, right, and, and not really too attached to the... To the actual like day to day, unfortunately. No, and
2: the, the, I, the IWW has one shop I think in San Francisco that is a movie theater, which there has not been a rep at, I believe, since uh, probably since the end of history. Yeah,
0: yeah. Uh, we're not, we're not gonna, we're not here to shit on uh, our friends in the IWW, but uh, yeah. Anyways, um,
2: well, my my thing is like, hey, like to you know anybody listening to this out there, you know, if this is like. There's nothing stopping you from doing this kind of stuff. There's nothing you know? stopping
0: the IWW itself, the people who are still in it, to do to to start falling into this stuff too. It, it's very difficult, obviously. Like we're, we're looking at like you mentioned Harry Bridges and some of the disagreements with him uh, that people had over the years, because he remained president until like 1977 or something like that. Yeah, you know? very Soviet. Right. lived lived till uh, 1990. Uh, 1990. I mean people are so disappointed i think often when they see what unions actually do i yeah. mean unions in most cases are a reflection of the balance of class forces and the amount of struggle that exists so even harry bridges who is a you know devoted communist and leads helps lead this heroic struggle on the docks is out there with uh, these other communist militants uh, doing shit like um, you know writing uh, pamphlets, doing speeches, getting up mm-hmm. in union meetings, knowing how able to like navigate the mechanics of a union meeting, all of these things that they learned you know in the course of organizing Harry Bridges was one of those but the problem is is that when the entire left is defeated when everybody else is thrown out of there and you're the last person standing what you're left with is making concessions and bargains with capital exactly and, and bridges did that even in the 1940s you know we don't have any heroes on the left we're not about great men right we respect harry bridges and his legacy but it's very complicated in 1943 he actually was part of breaking a strike of the yep. Montgomery Ward workers, not because he was a bad guy or he didn't believe in shit, but because it was the United Front, the Popular Front, and the Soviet Union had to win the war. And so he mm-hmm. followed that line and said, no, ple- no strike pledge during the war. And we yeah. can not be happy with that, but but once you're actually once the union's actually in the driver's seat, then you need to start making all these compromises because not only do you have the power to overcome and overthrow things potentially, but you're also constrained within the system of unionism as it exists in this particular time in this particular place.
2: Yeah, and and, and that's 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 sort of what I was talking about too. Is is that like? Yeah. I pretty much since when World War Two kind of started Harry's drift to um, – well, he, he really followed the Soviets, you know, uh, of, of this alliance with the US and then sort of this detente uh, afterwards or kind of struggle slash detente. Um, and like that's, that's like – I think a lot of people do see unions and they're like, oh, they fucking – fuck these guys or blah, blah, blah. I mean recently uh, like we had some – I've had some problems with with political people that I know in unions you know there was a recently a protest uh, uh, against one of ILWU's allies which I think was very misguided uh, just because not because I like the person that they protested uh, I don't care about her at all but uh, but because they didn't take into account the consequences it could have. Also, it was just bad strategically. Even if it had no consequences, the protest didn't do shit, and like it was very misguided for a variety of reasons. And it created a rift in the in the organization I'm in um, between people who are like, "Hey, like this is like our most important ally right here," and like what you guys are doing is not like. I mean, I know it's a radical action or whatever despite you know being radical doesn't always mean being smart um in fact <laughs> i think my police record shows that pretty clearly <laughs> exactly yeah it's yeah it's i think sometimes people conflate the two, but no um but uh or certainly not always strategic mm. and, and 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 it created a real struggle and there was people saying shit like well what do we need these fucking unions for you know these unions aren't with us let's protest them and it's like to me i'm like well what constituency do you think is going to win this right because at the end of the day there is one class that is situated to overthrow the present system. That is the proletariat, and and I think I think in this weird, even people who claim to be Marxists don't really like they they don't really understand that they think that like, well, this group can do it because this group's oppressed. Blah, blah, blah. I we don't like the proletariat because the proletarians are morally good, exactly,
0: or they're the like, most the most downtrodden part of society.
2: Exactly. Well, that's the other thing. That's the other thing is people are like, well, these guys make a bunch of money. It's like, dude, we don't like people solely based on the fact. We, it's not even about liking. We don't like – the thing that I believe is not like – well, the most oppressed people in society should run society or should overthrow capitalism. Or else I'd be like, Well, we are only, we are giving an atom bomb to the fucking favelas in San Francisco. <laughs> you know, we are giving them the keys to the, the code or whatever. Uh, no, it's the proletarians who are who are situated to overthrow and that, that speaks to a, a degree of moralism on the left that I find unacceptable. Because
1: I, go go ahead. Well, let me ask the devil's advocate question. What do you do in a situation where the majority of the proletariat are not in unions or have uh, a clear path to entering unions?
2: Yeah. Well, thats I mean, that's not even devil's advocate. That's just the situation we're in right now.
1: Um, the devil's situation. It would be a well, devilish question to some, but I'm glad that you well, are a, fri- a friend of that either, question.
2: There's, there's two routes you can go with that, right? There's one route you can say we're fucked because without the proletariat, we can't win. And any kind of winning without the proletariat isn't a win. Um, And then the other the other route is like, well, you got to dedicate yourself to it, right? Like you got to go. And that's my thing. It's like, that's why I'm always like people. I'm Who's that billionaire who's like drop out? Peter Thiel, I think uh-huh. is like, I'll give you a billion dollars to drop out of college. I won't give anyone shit. But I will say that, like, if you are about this if you call yourself like a revolutionary you call yourself whatever a marxist whatever and you are not like engaged in the struggle to make that a reality cuz you're right that is not the reality right now that is far i the proletariat in this country is fucking uh not awakened as you could say Probably some of the least awakened people a in the world the giant is asleep exactly and 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 well there's actually another route you could take which is I won't get into that, but you know, if, if <laughs> it's, the, it's works the, in the third world, you could try to make America a third world country and then, but uh, the,
0: the secret codicil in the Belden program.
2: Yes. Well, that's plan B, uh, which is, which is create the conditions where people's war is possible.
1: But do you uh, think you could have a proletarian revolution without it being, uh, through the workers movement or through union consciousness first?
2: Well, I wouldn't say anything's impossible, but I mean, the, the, I don't think you could without, with, I mean, we, again, like, Americans don't even have trade union consciousness, let alone revolutionary consciousness, socialist consciousness. And so, like, I don't think it would even be a possibility. You know, like, I, I it's, 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 I, I try to look at history to show, like, well, what can we do? What has been done before? And what seems to have been done before, you know, you get revolutionary, like, motherfuckers, when you, when you, when you get trade union consciousness, you go, you push them past that, right? Because trade union consciousness that can lead us to, you know, Solidarnosc or whatever in Poland.
0: <laughs> it can lead you to my union.
2: Exactly, exactly, <laughs> exactly. And so, trade union consciousness isn't enough. You got to get to trade union consciousness and push past it. But like, just like you know, socialism. Unfortunately, it's you got to go in these. I'm not whatever stages, whatever. But like, you you got to get to. I just don't think like that there could be a, a movement that's cohesive enough. Without the workers movement because yeah, there are all these different constituency groups, but a lot of them like there's no unifying aspect The thing that makes us unified that makes us like one people or whatever is the fact that we sell our labor for money Well, technically I'm a small businessman, but for most (laughs) of my life. I've sold my labor for money
0: I'm on I'm on the as a podcaster. I'm also like living on the edge of those two things Yeah, I I think this is like this is an important question that the devil's advocate question and the devil's uh, situation because ultimately, we can look at the past, but we don't know what, what will eventually work. We can look, yeah. though, at the ways that small-bore uh, militant union organizing has trickled up, as it were, you know, from these militant communists and just organic worker rank-and-file militancy, people who aren't even politicized at all. And we've seen how that can lead to a situation where, in its failure itself, right, because the, the massive—after the, the general strikes of 1934— which included the one in San Francisco, but also in Toledo and also in Minneapolis, you know, run Mm -hmm. by Trotskyists and run by communists. After that, you had this mass, mass wave, eight million people unionized in the course of the next four or five years. It was a moment where did it, create the revolution? It didn't. Was there a revolutionary fervor that existed that could have created all sorts of different possibilities? There was. And the capitalist class knew it, which is why they gave up all the concessions in the fucking first place. So we don't know. We don't know that this will still work. But we know that it is a pressure point that we can use against capital, that we can use against the state. And also that in its day-to-day activities, people get radicalized and people gain power and people start to dream bigger about what a world without wage labor would actually look like it's always happened whenever people are engaged in struggle they start to gain different consciences consciousnesses yeah
2: yeah well that's that's the thing it's like it, it, and the other thing is is like worker we do not have a lot of weapons right like i mean you get the people who are like i got an ar-15 or whatever but it's like well what, what are you gonna you shoot your way to socialism like i mean it's happened before but i don't think you're gonna do it yeah not, um, not here not now not here not now i think they got a lot bigger and like more decked out uh, more expensive ARs than you do um but like but so the workers don't have a lot of weapons i mean people think of like rioting and protesting or whatever but like those are like tactics people can use but like they 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 there's no organization really behind these things you know like there's no cohesive plan and there's no revolutionary goal in, in 90% of the cases uh, but the, like the the strike and the general strike that's why like that's why the, like we were joking about earlier the general strike is such a funny thing to joke about cuz that's how adam bomb Right. Like once you get to the point of a general strike, you got a lot of fucking power. Oh, yeah. It's like we don't even like that's that's like that's something to work towards. Right. And like and and, and to me, I'm like, well, we're kind of defenseless if we don't have the weapon of the strike and if we don't have the ability to fucking withhold our labor. Right. Because most of us don't. And so the, the, the task is the two primary tasks are one is which to form an organization which is for workers and 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 is cohesive and disciplined and organized and able to exercise some power to learn from the mistakes of the past with that kind of stuff because there have been a lot of them in America. Oh, yeah. And the other thing too is to actually gain some influence and power in the trades. And for that, that will mean a lot of people entering the trades. And people still, there's a lot of hesitation. People always talk about it's There's a lot of hesitation because I think in the back of their heads, they know that as things stand now, what they want, the revolution that they want, ain't going to happen. And it ain't going to happen. No skin in the game. Because they're not going to do anything like that. Right, right, right. And, and,
0: you know, there's different ways of getting at this. And we've you know, seen this through U.S. history, certainly in the 1920s and the 1930s. There, were, there was a um, very reactionary, or I should say a very, um, uh, very low-class conscious organization uh, called the American Federation of Labor. That yes. comes out of the uh, the um, the Gompers, the Samuel Gompers tradition. Great didn't...
2: name for that guy, by the way. It's, it's, <laughs> it's, it's the, one of the most fitting human beings' last name and, I, I've and, ever heard.
0: And life. he was a cigar-chomping fat boy too, which, yeah, which makes Gompers. it all the better. Um, yeah, like um, people think, okay, so the AFL, which is a craft uh, sort of exclusionary union, was bad, and the CIO was good. And you could even take that today, like to say, like, okay. Um, your, your union, the ILWU, is good. My union in the building trees, which is politically reactionary and doesn't seek to organize all the workers, is bad. But history shows, again, that that is like, there, there's basically the AFL, some of the most important militants came out of mm-hmm. the AFL and saw the limitations of that kind of unionism. And how that tracks to today is that if you're interested in working class power and building it, it doesn't mean you necessarily have to join an existing union. But it yeah. certainly means that you need to be engaged in the workplace and maybe something new ha- comes out of that, right? Maybe you're able to gain some momentum in creating something new, but the situation is always where you are because everybody, I think, unless you're like a manager or unless you're a boss, has the ability to start working within their workplaces or at least you know, within the area that they live with other workers in order to build something.
2: I'll tell you what. One guy, me, me, and me, and my buddy Evan, who is really the mastermind behind the plan, uh, who's longtime uh, union activist in very various unions. Uh, he, uh, he, and I met with this one guy who works at Anchor. And the first time we met with them, the guy had his hand and his fuck, head in his hands. You know, he was—I mean, he was pretty tired, understandably. But like, you know, he was like kind of interested. He was like, "Okay, you know, I'll help a little bit." And, and cut to now, I mean, this motherfucker was on the bargaining committee and now he's in charge of like the labor committee and now he's a fucking, I think he's a rep um and so it's like you see how this struggle changes people too this is the only way if you just wait for them to come to you you are going to get the most neurotic deranged individuals you will ever fucking meet because who wants to hang out with you, you motherfucker like, <laughs> yeah. you got i mean i'll tell you for me i i attract some real fucking looney tunes <laughs> and like the, the way that you get the way you want to start a working class movement go to the motherfucking workers
0: you know? Exactly, exactly. And and there's one reason why the communists were able to succeed back in the day. And that's because the one thing that we do have that is is powerful and that we can use is our desire and our will to self-sacrifice for something yep. larger than ourselves. Uh, some people might be doing that simply to gain a union contract, which is great but the the dedicated communist militant is going to stay at the meeting the longest right is going yep. to hand out flyers and organize the longest so we're and like a be the secret best worker at your fucking shop there you go and so the 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 essentially the bosses um the bosses know this right so they they're very scared of the of of militant workers entering the workplace which means that we should make them <laughs> even more scared we should win we should beat them
2: <laughs> yes yeah 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 and like, and, and I, my thing is, is just like I've said. My thing is about a hundred times. I get a lot of things. <laughs> but uh, what are your things? But like, we there's no, you know, there is, there is, there is no revolution without a revolutionary organization, and there is, there is no organization right now that I would say is is up to the task of even. I mean, of, of much, you know, and not that to say that there aren't good people and that there are not people with good politics. There are people violently trying, but like, it's, 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 it's this same old thing. We're going to keep doing the same shit we always have been doing, you know, ever since I've sort of been present on the left, there has just been like, okay, there's an occupation and then like three years of like some various protests and like a, maybe a rent control campaign and then like another occupation and then like it fails and then people forget about it. Remember Occupy ICE? Uh, no, that one even That's completely like, escaped me. <laughs> 200 years ago, yeah. dude. Oh, my God. And, like, it's all these things. And for some reason, it's, like, fucking cooler with the occupations, brother. Go get yourself an occupation. Oh, got him. <laughs> you, might get, you might get paid more being a fucking, like, uh, you know, electrician than you you get paid, you know, working at uh art gallery or whatever. Damn straight.
1: All right, but check this out. What if these periodic... Spontaneous struggles like Occupy, Black Lives Matter and now this Uprising, they brought in out this, you know, activist left milieu to a class fraction, and through that contact, new militants emerge who may be capable of organizing of leading a new type of organization. Whereas if you simply try to find that workers movement through the traditional forms of the, the unions, whether it be uh, you know a strong union or something like the IDBW, you're kind of just lost in nostalgia. Whereas something new needs to be formed through the concrete struggles of today.
2: Well, I mean, I I I, I, if I guess that's a possibility, but I don't see it. You know, like it, we've had we've had months now of these these street protests and occupations and autonomous zones and all this stuff. And is there any? I mean, there's no new organization. You know, and and and. So if that happens, I mean, maybe it'll happen. But like
0: but I, I think one way to swear this is to say that <clears throat> people gain new consciences in different types of ways of struggling. But the fact still remains that there is going to there has to be ultimately <clears throat> a militant minority who actually creates the party, whatever that means, yeah. that starts to organize. So maybe, you know, come to think of it, those people might be us. Right. I'm not trying yeah. to be grandiose here. Right. But it's pretty late in the day. And maybe the reason why these organizations hasn't haven't arisen is because we haven't made them yet. And maybe we can yeah. just do that. Like maybe after the show, the three of us will sit down and we'll build the fucking party and you know, press pre- the button, well, press the party that's the button. Thing
2: is like that's what I told you, the Trump thing earlier, the Belden plan. I'm doing I'm taking a shortcut by just being like, OK, whatever. You guys think I'm funny. Well, now you have to do what I say. <laughs> Might, I'll tell you what. It worked for fucking Donald Trump. You know? Might as well become a megalomaniac. As long as I don't take any money off it, my soul is clean, baby. <laughs> that's it,
1: man. Yeah, but you're banned from Twitter, so that's a big hurdle. Yeah,
2: that's true. But that's I, I That's, won't, how, they, that's how you
1: know that. you're a threat.
2: Yeah, that's right. The red, the, I'll tell you what. The, the, the little red rose thing is going to be replaced by my new emoji, which is the Joker's card. Ah, beautiful. Not out of the movie The Joker. But because the work is always the wild card, baby. There you go. I think
0: that's a good place to leave it. Andy is going to play us out with a song by the band Rancid.
1: That almost is a Rancid song. By <laughs> my, uh, my, the the
2: guitar. I've encountered the Rancid people a few times in my life here, and none of them have been positive.
3: Yeah,
2: uh, I imagine. One time, this actually wasn't my encounter, but the guy from Rancid. The guitar, the Lars Fredrickson was doing a photo shoot in this alley in the mission. And, uh, and my boy was like, lame, walking by. And Lars Fredrickson sent one of his goons over and broke my friend's skateboard over <laughs> <with> his knee. Extremely <laughs> baller act. Wow, yeah.
0: Uh, I mean, I guess that shows how far they've fallen from uh, 1994 <laughs> when they wrote a fucking song about Harry Bridges. I don't know. I tried to like. I didn't a- even know that. Oh, you, oh we're, we're going to play it for you right now. We're going to play it for the listeners. And as we go into our bonus, where we're going to talk more about punk rock, basically, I could say politics, too, but mostly just punk rock. Uh, we'll, we'll play the Harry Bridges song for people.
1: I broke Brace's skateboard down on 6th Street <laughs> He knew he was in trouble Shouldn't have, <laughs> have heckled me The
3: city's short day in July Sixth of work rules are rage There's a general strike The media clanged in the boys We're taking over And so it was true Three-armed compromises such Better when the hell is so safe we turn it off Hold on Canada's a locked and a winner's broken. Woman, locked a winner's it for swore that never lose his job again. A union man who his in beautiful again. And then it lasts his life Surely it lasts his the same. The last time I saw it in, When he was in a pocket gear Oh, I cannot. Okay.